welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm your anime newbie, Malcolm Cloud. So for those just joining in, each week I select an anime series for Malcolm to watch and three episodes that best showcase that series' strength. Malcolm, how much anime have you watched? Uh, This is my third anime ever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And last week's anime was JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. What was your uh, brief final assessment of it? I think at the time I was like, oh, I might watch more episodes uh, now that I've got had some time to digest. Uh, I'm not going to keep watching that. That one uh, is a hell of a mind fuck. Uh, and uh, yeah, it just didn't suck me in. So uh, yeah. It sucked you in well enough, though, for us to have a two-hour conversation about that. Because um, I, I can promise you, dear listener, that will hopefully be our, our, our longest episode ever. Um, I, I hope we don't... Um, make that a habit hey listen uh, i will say what what i did watch was uh as you can tell from the last episode was uh made me question a lot of things <laughs> and uh before we start our episode in full i do want to say one thing we missed last week the phantom blood movie did in fact cut out robert eo Speedwagon. so uh i think that's clearly why it was trashed and never to be seen again I will say, if there's one redeeming feature in my eyes to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is that it has the greatest character name in the history of entertainment, which is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. Speedwagon is a good man. He's a good Joe bro. But uh, enough JoJo talk. (laughs) Um, Yeah, today we're covering My Hero Academia. And uh, compared to our last two shows, this is certainly the most conventional anime we've watched, I feel. Do you feel that, Malcolm? I do. Um, this is what I was expecting. This is sort of like, um, kind of, I feel like why I, I have avoided anime, why I don't watch anime is uh, because of what I watched today. Um, and I'm excited to get into it. Really? Okay. I was actually expecting you to love this, but oh, oh no, now I'm, now I'm worried. Um, so yeah, this series is actually pretty recent. It, it started, the anime itself started in 2016, the manga in 2014. Um, and it, it was actually surprisingly difficult for me to get backstory about this because uh, the writer uh, is a bit of a recluse. What do you mean? Uh, he just doesn't like to talk about himself a lot. There's not too many uh, photos of him. Uh, he certainly talked about his influence. Do you even know his name? Is his name out yeah, there? So or his it... name is Kohei Hori- Horikoshi. Yeah, and this series debuted in July 2014 in Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, He had done two previous series for Jump, but neither made it past about 40 chapters. Um, This series is still ongoing. I feel this series is easily one of the most popular anime series out there in the 2010s. I mean, I think this is definitely the one where you had the most awareness of, maybe not necessarily watching it, but definitely of like cultural awareness. I've heard of it. Like, I think that's the thing. When you said the name of this show, My Hero Academia, I definitely, like, had, there was a sphere of it in which I've, like, I was like, oh, okay, that's what I, I sort of associate with what I would assume is modern anime, that this is, like, yeah, the big modern anime. And, and as we talked about, um, as we talked about the different categories, this is this is not so much modern anime, but definitely modern shonen anime. So shonen is kind of, like, for for tweens and young kids. And yeah, Weekly Shonen Jump, which we're going to have to get into just a bit because we're going to be talking about this magazine uh, a lot in this po- throughout this podcast. Um, Weekly Shonen Jump is easily one of the most important comic magazines of all time. 
Uh, it started on, it was published on July 2nd, 1968 by Shueisha. I assume Shueisha is a publisher? Yeah, it's a publisher. And now they also like, you know, they work with anime studios and stuff like that. They're, they're a pretty major company. And I wouldn't say they're the only name in the game, but they're definitely one of the biggest ones. Are they sort of like the Marvel or DC of this world? Like, yeah, like and there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of magazines that have the jump. Uh, what's the word? The jump suffix or whatever. Like there's there's we- weekly jump. Um, there, there's a lot of different jumps. Okay, so it's an anthology, really. Yeah, it's, it's an a anthology. Series of diff- and and unlike Marvel and DC, these comics they don't come in single issues. They come in these big four hundred page magazines. So you're getting a lot of story and a lot of different. You are, and it's also weekly too, which which is a lot. But they're actually super cheap. You can get like in Japan, they sell for like six bucks. Oh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's an awesome deal. And I actually first discovered Shonen Jump back when they were doing their uh, kind of American debut, and I, I forget what year it was exactly. It was around the time of like Yu-Gi-Oh, so two thousand one, two thousand two ish. And what they did, of course, because, you know, it was month- monthly comics are kind of the thing in North America. But they would have these, like, monthly compilations of, like, uh, One Piece and Naruto. And that's how I discovered those early series, even before they premiered on TV. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, you've, you've definitely heard of Naruto. You've heard me talk about One Piece. Um, but Shonen Jump's history, the, the first major title to debut out of Shonen Jump actually kind of surprised me. Uh, especially given that it is a, a tween-oriented series. Uh, it was a s- series called Shameless School, which is known as the first erotic slash hentai manga. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and it was created by Go Nagai, who is, uh, who is no longer... A- Actually, is he alive? I'm going to look that up. Is Go Nagai dead? <laughs> is it... So oh, is he's still alive. Go Nagai, 74 years young. Um, and he's actually one of the most important comic creators out there certainly his style has been aped by a lot of different people but he's also a very very horny man uh he he bounces between these 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 series that don't even need nudity but he just does it to like much more children oriented series um including oh go on (laughs) I was going to say, it sounds like he like gets his demons out with like an X-rated piece, and then he's like, oh, I've got this other idea that doesn't and, need a, and to be actually, X-rated. And speaking of demons, one of his series was actually called Devil Man, which also had a lot of demons and, and boobies in it. Ah. Um, but he's also done more kid-oriented fare, like uh, the giant robo hit uh, Mazinger Z, which debuted in the 70s, and is definitely a lot more conventional. I, I have not read Shameless School. I've, I've seen quite a few Go Nagai adaptations. Uh, Shameless School is uh, the first time hearing of it, I promise. Is Shameless School going to be on this list of uh, shows we watch? You know, I, I, haven't even, I haven't even looked up if there's an anime adaptation of that one. <laughs> well, um, we'll find out. <laughs> but Shonen Jump has a wide variety, and actually, I, I know people assume Jump is like known for kind of their... I guess superhero is like the word we'd associate with that. Like certainly Dragon Ball, Naruto, One Piece, those all, even if they aren't technically superheroes, they definitely fall under that mode of, you know, super powered protagonists being the strongest and stuff. But they also have like a lot of sports manga. And those are actually some of the more successful series and ones that have gone on for a really, really long time. Yeah, I've heard that about like American comic books that like one of the genres that like American comic books don't, do which are really popular in manga is sports books yeah like there's this whole like we can't do it we won't do it the like markets don't align but it's i guess it's kind of weird i guess it's because they assume people would rather just watch sports on tv which i kind of get 
But I always, for me personally, I've always loved like, a good sports film. Like a good sports film is just like, you don't get them very often, but when you do, you're like, I enjoyed that. And I mean, most sports films though are like based on true stories. Yeah. Uh, and there's and it, like, and there's like a ton, like uh, one of their bigger hits in the seventies was a uh, boxing series called Put It All in the Ring, which ended up selling 13 million copies since its debut. And yeah, boxing manga in general is like a subset of like sports manga. It's pretty big. Like, there's a ton of series that have gone on since the 80s, like uh, Hajime no Ippo, which is still ongoing. It's pretty wild. That's, that's always cool. It's cool to see that they just keep going and have new storylines. Yeah. But uh, let's get back into My Hero. So My Hero Academia actually started off as a one-shot in 2008, which featured an older version of the lead character in this show. Uh, he was a salaryman and not a high school student. It was a bit darker, more cynical. Uh, but he ended up picking up that idea when he decided to uh, re-pitch it to Shonen Jump. I'm kind of glad that they didn't like make him a salary man. I feel like uh, that is one of the like the things that I, I did appreciate about this is that it has this like really nice like youthful arc to it and like something you don't see a lot of. And I guess maybe you're starting to see a little bit more, but like. You just don't see a lot of like, hey, the heroes are mentoring the kids. It's always like the kids have to figure it out themselves because all the heroes are dead. And and, and speaking of hero heroes mentoring heroes, um, certainly the the, mo- the series this owes the most to is Naruto. And uh, Kohei has been pretty upfront about that. Naruto is also a series about a young lad who wants to be the greatest something, who is kind of a bit of an outcast and then ends up joining a super-powered school meets a bunch of other teenagers like himself, gets mentored by other badasses. Um, Naruto and, and My Hero Academia are, are, are very, very similar. Okay, that's interesting. I don't know anything about Naruto. Okay, well, there's another series you probably know of, um, even if the creator has put her foot in her mouth a lot, uh, which is Harry Potter. Um, this series <laughs> definitely owes a lot to, certainly the idea, again, a person who discovers kind of their own power or destiny and ends up Joining, you know, a bunch of a bunch of colorful people in a super powered high school setting. I will say that is something I felt when I was watching this was that I was like, there's like a lot of Harry Potter like parallels. Like you just like there's just a lot there. And I feel like I know Netflix recently has been saying that they want like their own kind of Harry Potter. They're looking for like, you know, some properties that can allow that to happen. I'm like I feel like a My Hero Academia could probably like scratch that itch if they really want. Yeah, and I believe Lionsgate, correct me if I'm wrong, Lionsgate has been in talks of developing a My Hero Academia movie. Um, there's no other details on that other than that, you know, they're interested in it. It's certainly one of those anime properties that I think is the most adaptable, just given, I guess there'd be some localization stuff, but as as you can see in these episodes, I don't think there's anything super japanese or or something that really has to be translated other than it, nothing more than your average comic book adaptation at least you know what i mean yeah i mean you could keep it you know more japanese and i don't think a lot of people would i guess uh, people care. probably don't want any whitewashing especially at this point but yeah well, what, I, I, will uh, scarlett johansson play every character <laughs> uh, yeah scarlett johansson for uh deku um, but anyways, let's go into it, because just the basic premise of the series, My Hero Academia, is the story of Izuku Midoriya, a person who is, uh, it's set in the world of, it's set in a, 
My Hero Academia is set in a world where 80% of the world's population has superpowers. And Izuku Midoriya, our, our plucky hero, was not born with superpowers. So after a chance encounter with his uh, favorite hero, All Might, All Might ends up passing his power along to Midoriya, and off to the races he goes, where he joins a superpowered high school known as UA High. And that kind of begins his journey towards becoming the greatest hero in the world. That makes sense to me. <laughs> makes sense. Um, so yeah, let's get into this. Again, I didn't pick... So the episode we picked, first of all, was episode two, What It Takes to Be a Hero. Um, picking three episodes of these, especially, I, I always knew what the other two episodes were going to be, because those two are very popular. Um, they're certainly the ones that stuck out with me as some of the most badass moments in the series. It was a real tough call between one, two, and three of picking which one for you as like the origin point. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen episode one. You have or not seen. Three. You have not seen one or three. But again, I wanted. I felt this episode in particular really puts the focus on uh, Midoriya's relationship with All Might, which is kind of, kind of the core point of the series. So let's kind of start from the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Well, I want to first say that this was my first time where I watched a dub. Uh, okay. The other times. Oh, I've you didn't watch the JoJo dub? I didn't even know that. No, I was. I, I watched. Uh, the uh, subtitled version. Oh, that's what I what I assumed I should be doing. But now, after watching this dub, I'm like, man, I might just keep going with dubs going in the uh, future. Dubs are great. There's a lot of really good voice actors. It's not like the uh, the early '90s where you know things were a bit on the cheaper side and people didn't exactly know what they were doing. Yeah, no. You, well, like there's so many great voice actors, so it makes sense to you know go with good dubbing now. Um, yeah, so I guess we should get into the episode two. Yeah, what it takes to be a hero. Yeah, so my first question when I watched it was, is this a comedy? And I wrote that down multiple times. Is this a comedy? This is a comedy, right? Like, I think it's, it's a comedy. Uh, like, I mean, it's it's a conventional shonen anime. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's as much of a comedy a, as what I'd call a Marvel movie. Yeah, I guess it's this, this one. It was, uh, for me, it was that the voice acting of Nadario. Nadario? Nadario? Uh, I mean, with, with a, the Japanese characters, they have so many names. Izuku Midoriya, so you can call him Izuka, you can call him Midoriya, or you can call him by a superhero name, Deku. Yeah, so I just kept calling him nerd in my notes. I'm like, the nerd, he's a nerd. Because <laughs> um, um, he kind of is. That's like sort of what I like gathered, at least in this episode. Like, yeah, that's definitely the entry point. He's got that notebook full of like heroes um where he's like writing down he's you know this is what this hero's powers are i think one of them uh and i'm kind of jumping ahead um but i think there's uh one where about uh, mount lady mount lady oh god her um, um there's a great joke just, with mount lady yeah and in the book it just said uh huge sexy <laughs> um yeah, let's even start further from the beginning though of just who this character is. So yeah, he's this nerd. He's plucky, of course. He, I wouldn't. He's not quite Goku or Naruto. He's not obnoxious in his uh, ways. He's not really just. I even though he is kind of, I'm going to be the very best. He definitely has some self-esteem issues. What with not having a quirk, at least at this point in the series. Yeah, well, his like mom like. It's like starts with like a flashback where it's like the do- a doctor's like, oh well, you don't have any powers, and the mom's crying, and he's like in this chair, and the mom's like, I'm sorry, I didn't give you powers. And yeah. He's really disappointed. 
Um, and I noticed in like one shot, it was that he, um, the nerd, as I, I'm going to call him. Um, <laughs> you can call him, yeah, let's call him Deku. I mean, don't just call it, give him some dignity. Okay, Deku. Um, that was the one thing I did notice. They don't say his name a lot in these episodes. Um, um, but yeah, so he's this, and there's one shot where he's just sitting. Uh, I feels like he's kind of drawn like a doll, like he's kind of motionless. And at the moment, oh God, yeah, with him and oh again, the teams. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, he's a fanboy. And um, as I look this up in the My Hero Wiki, um, peop, uh, kids they don't uh, their quirks don't really develop until they're four. So he's had you know he's had quite a few years of consciousness to be aware of superheroes and also, you know, get excited for uh, when his quirk is going to develop. Does everyone have a quirk in this world? Eighty percent. Oh, okay. 80%. So you're really in, like, the minority, if you like. Yeah, he is a minority. And again, like, when everyone's got all these cool powers, of course you're going to be bummed out, especially if you're, you know, a fanboy like him who has all these ambitions. Of course. Um, But he has a... He has a friend, though, who who does have powers and is an asshole. He's not dealing with... He's not Dio level, but Bakugo, uh, Bakugo, as he's known, is uh, not the nicest friend. No, I was like, I don't understand why he's such a dick, like, especially later on in the episode. Um, but yeah, he's just like this kind of bully. Uh, I don't know what age they are. That was the one thing I was like, are uh, they they're, they're like 14, 15. They're 14. I mean, they're, they are they're not, I don't think the ages are Jojo bad. Yeah, that was the one thing. I mean, after watching Jojo, I'm like, I don't know if I can trust anything in terms of age. But that just oh. might be uh, the writer. Yeah, I, I think Jojo might have scarred you. I mean, in a lot of ways, this was honestly the first show we should have covered. But I knew you wanted to get into One Punch Man, and I wanted to get into Jojo just because I was excited for that. Uh, because this is, again, it's, a, it's the most conventional shonen anime series we'll probably cover in a while. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so, like, I guess the one thing is, yeah, there, there's all these mentions of quirks, and I quickly put together that quirks equals powers. Yeah. Which I kind of liked. I like the word quirks as powers. I think that was that was a kind of fun way of describing them, instead of being like, yeah, something stupid. It's like, oh, they're just quirks. Because I assume some of them are, like, some people have small quirks, and, like, other people have, yeah, obviously, these game-changing, like, mm. celebrity-esque quirks. Certainly the heroes we're following the series are the ones with the uh, coolest powers. Yeah. Um, so there's, like, uh, we could, like, cut to, like, um, like there's, like, some sort of creepy bottle person. He's a, uh, or, like, he's a, well, at least that's what he initially is. It turns out it's, like, a blob. Yeah, he's he's like the Pokemon monk, muck. If like muck was muck was also had sentience or something. Yeah, so like, and that was the one thing I was interesting watching these episodes, where I was like, there were definitely like some like animals with human abilities, mm-hmm. um, and like or like here, there's a guy who has like a bird head, and so yeah. this one I wasn't sure because like in One Punch Man, um, there's the crab. Um, <laughs> guy and so i was wasn't sure you know in this world if that's like a similar thing where like you know if someone can just be a blob or if a blob becomes sentient so so in the world of my hero academia all all these like animal people or people who you know don't have humanoid shapes the those are still people it's just their quirk oh so that guy and not all their quirks are things that can be turned on and off but but every single person is a human by designation 
Okay, it's just like it's a body horror almost. Like, yeah. One one day you wake up and you're like, oh my god, I'm a chicken. <laughs> yeah. That's my quirk. <laughs> so so you could you could probably figure. I mean, there's there. That's the thing why I didn't want to end up. That's why I didn't pick the first episode because so much of this episode actually flashes back to the previous events. Um, I think the only thing you were really missing out in terms of backstory was the eighty percent quirk thing, and a bit of Bakugo just being a total asshole to Midoriya. Um, at one point in the first episode, when he's younger, he tells in a flashback, uh, "People without quirks should kill themselves." Oh my god! <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll say it's about Bakugo. Um, the fan base actually loves him. He he's in, he hasn't gone on a full redemption arc fully, but his 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 harder edge is definitely softened. And I feel even in the second episode we cover, you kind of see that to an extent. He's definitely not. I felt like, he, yeah, at the, all three episodes, his arc is that he, like, keeps getting softer and softer, and there is more, like, in common between these two. That Maybe they're not necessarily friends, mm-hmm. but, like, they sh- they definitely share a camaraderie. Yeah, and again, that's another conventional shonen thing. You you have the hero and the rival. And we, we, we are obviously eventually going to have a big uh, Bakugo-Deku uh, uh, battle. Maybe not now, but sometime in the future. Um, hopefully it won't go the way of Naruto, which was not very good. Um, but, you know, you definitely want to see these two eventually uh, fight. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I still don't really know the blonde guy's powers after these three episodes. but Even um... me, I, I had to look up on the wiki exactly. Like, he has an explosive power, but his, his power specifically is that he sweats nitroglycerin, which he can then detonate at will. Okay, but then he, but then his super suit, of course. Um, in the second episode, they talk more about that. But his super suit that he has um, is able to magnify that. So not, yeah. every, not everyone's powers. They sometimes need a bit more help than others. Oh, that makes sense because he was saying that like it does help and like because all quirks, you know, it takes up energy and. You know, people can get hurt if they use their quirks too much. But that's more of a second episode. Yeah, I know. Uh, We're doing a lot to the second. So anyways, of course, the muck guy, he ends up capturing Bakugo. And uh, Bakugo does not take that well. Yeah, we also discover that the, there's a scene in the on a rooftop with, I believe it's All Might. Um, and he, Oh, yeah, that's incredibly important. The scene with All Might and, and uh, Deku. Yeah, so that one is like, and All Might's powers disappear, and I think that's the first time anyone's seen that All Might only has his powers for a certain amount of time. Um, but one of the things I will say, and this is what kind of annoyed me about this, is that the voice acting of uh, of uh, Deku mm-hmm. uh, is so much shrieking, so much screaming, um, so much crying. Um <laughs> You know, he seems, he's like so devastated when he finds out about this secret. I, I like Deku a lot, actually. I really do find him more endearing than you, I guess. Um, and also, I've seen his growth over the series, too. I've seen his growth over, like, how 88 episodes at this point. Yeah, well, I will say, again, as the, as we go through these episodes, I'm definitely more endured. And I will say also this. This is definitely the most emotional anime that we've covered so far. Mm. I mean, I know this is only the third one. But I did find myself like feeling more emotionally attached quicker than in the other two. Yeah, and again, this is your, this is a straightforward series. I mean, even if JoJo is is a Shonen Jump manga anime, technically, it was definitely one that was going out of its way to do the standard things. 
this again embraces those conventions uh and i think it mostly works uh especially compared to other shonen series i've seen or read and yeah let's get into the meat of the all might deck relationship because that's the core relationship of this entire series arguably yeah well they in the in this first sort of like conference not even i wouldn't even say confrontation i will just say like in this meeting the one takeaway is that all might tells uh deku he goes make sure dreams are attainable realistic uh, mm-hmm. because you know deku declares that he wants to be a hero he doesn't have the powers you know he's really broken up about it um we you know and it's uh it just makes it uh yeah it just kind of makes it more humbling when you're like he doesn't have any powers it kind of makes you break your heart breaks for him yeah and we can also see that of course you know when all Might is saying that he's reflecting on his own experience because as he says like he no longer um he can no longer go full power after an event five years ago yeah which is just like yeah he has like this indent that like i guess has never been fixed and it's yeah. like a pow- apparently it was a fight that like wasn't very publicized. Mm-hmm. And so the public doesn't know that All Might can only temporarily use his fa- powers for about four hours. Uh, when those four hours aren't on effectively, he's this shriveled, skinny guy who uh, bleeds out of his mouth constantly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, which is a funny visual. It is. And I guess I will say that's like, that's much easier to be like, instead of like, I have to take off this costume. It's like, oh, if you just become this like shriveled man, no one would expect that like, mm-hmm. oh, this is uh you know earth's mightiest hero yeah his reference he's like yeah exactly and you know he is the captain america slash iron man slash superman of this world he is the number one hero and so of course you know you would understand why he'd be so ashamed that he can only do that for a certain amount of time at this point yeah so Um, yeah he, he he's pretty cynical at this point but then after their um meeting deku ends up you know he ends up seeing uh Bakugo captured by the muck the muck guy i don't even remember his name because he's a very minor character yeah um, I, just, I just kept calling him the creepy blob i'm like creepy yeah blob. and i i don't even feel like wikipedia i mean this 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 guy does not matter in the long run he exists he exists solely for this one confrontation because yeah deku charges full-on into the confrontation despite having no powers and all might of course saves him yet again and that's really where we the story has truly begun. All Might has seen that Deku does have the heart of a true hero. Yeah, and I think that's, it turns out that's a lot more important than uh, than anything else. Because, like, you can't have these quirks just like uh, the blonde guy, but he, you know, but he doesn't necessarily have the heart of a hero. Like, he, I, keeps, he keeps being, like, you know, almost like, fuck you, like, don't look down on me. You don't even have you know, powers. And as you said earlier, you, you can just kill yourself if you don't have powers. Yeah. Um, before I forget, uh, I do want to talk about that Mount Lady joke, which I did find really funny, which is when they're all the heroes are trying to fight the muck man or whatever, but then like Mount Lady can't because it's just a one lane. So Mount Lady is yeah. this like giant woman and she's like, oh my God, it's my, my one weakness, like a one lane roadway. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that was it. I wrote that down too. I was like, this is the funniest joke. Uh, I feel like it was in the entire series. And that's why I kept thinking, like, is this a comedy? Because, yeah, I mean, like, again, I think it's like more Marvel style where they're being clever or something. Um, yeah. But it's, it's definitely the closest this has to like One Punch Man. And I think definitely some of the character designs are so wacky. So having watched One Punch Man first, I could see how you could kind of bridge those two together. 
Yeah, and like I do like I do like like moments of comedy because I feel like JoJo didn't really have any comedy to it. It's it was like, it was not sure if it was comedy or isn't. I think having read Araki's work, I think it, it's more intentional than people think. But yeah. for sure, it's it's definitely a, a more acquired taste. It's played very straight in JoJo. So, um, but yeah, here it's yeah, just like. Yeah, my only weakness, I need a two-lane road, <laughs> which I appreciate that she's, like, so big, but she's so aware of the fact that, um, that like, oh, I can't, I don't, if I step on a building, like, I could kill people, or I'll obviously destroy these buildings, like, I, you know, uh, but it also kind of almost makes her, like, a, a useless hero if she's, like, if she can't be in the city. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's she's definitely better in an open field. I mean, she still has some badass moments. In, in the current arc, actually, uh, as of this writing, there are 280 chapters. Um, they're effectively on material that would be in season six. So the manga is definitely more more ahead than other, other series are. Uh, this, this anime series is famous for not having really any filler um, because they're running ahead just enough time to not have to do filler arcs or just... Even though there is a fair bit of exposition, it's not One Piece level or, or Naruto or Dragon Ball, which were a series that um, very much were ruined by filler. Yeah, this one is, uh, yeah, it definitely feels very much more streamlined, and I do appreciate mm. that. They, yeah, this, this, is, this isn't a weekly anime series. I mean, it's weekly, but they only do about 26 episodes a season. The first season was only 13 because, of course, they were just starting it. But subsequent series, you know, they're not doing a full year's worth of episodes with only a couple weeks break. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's how American animation works. But Japan, they they uh, they put people to the work workhouse. Yeah, that kind of that's kind of shocking because it's like yeah, it's almost like uh, yeah. Imagine if uh, two and a half men made an episode a week. Fifty-two episodes of two. I mean, I don't think the writing would have been that much worse. Uh, that's true. I don't, I'm not saying this is like the two and a half men of anime. No, but I, I, I'd say One Piece definitely. Uh, one, One Piece can get pretty bad. I've, I've seen some stuff. Not, not the One Piece on Netflix. That one's awesome. But yeah, anyways, which back, is ironic because I haven't seen any of it. Uh, uh, don't worry. But anyways, back to the episode. So yeah, we. There's quite a few interesting uh, hero designs. I think even in this first episode, you see like the tree guy, who's like kind of made of wood or something, and he can kind of stretch his body. Yeah. yeah, I did yeah. notice that. I did notice there was like other heroes that like sort of like are you know around in this world. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I I'm not gonna say Mount Lady or the Tree Guy have like huge arcs, but but what the series has been doing is definitely giving minor characters more of a chance to shine throughout its run. Yeah, everyone seems to have like importance, and there's a a, char- a couple of characters in the other episodes that I did notice. Like obviously they came back. There's almost appears to be some sort of arcs for them um, that like that obviously are only hinted to me because I'm watching this out of order and like not all continuously. So, Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, um, All Might saves Deku. And then what does he tell him at the very end? Did you write that down? um, I didn't write it down, but I did. uh, I did like that. Like when they like because Deku is like, well, I guess I'll have to. Uh, send a message to All Might through his website. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. That, yeah. like, that, like, of course, you know, All Might has this website, and that, like, that's the only way to contact him. Um, and then, obviously, All Might shows up. He's all super powerful, and it made me laugh that he, like, immediately, like, 
shows up and then like becomes a weakling. Like it's just like yeah, like, poor guy. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to Christopher Sabat who uh, voices All Might. Um, he's voiced a lot of my favorite uh, characters in anime, most notably uh, Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z. So he's he's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, you could definitely tell there's like he's he's got some talent there. Um, I don't again. I don't know who this guy who's voicing uh, Deku is, but he's uh, he's a uh, I don't want to say newer because then I'm gonna find out he's done like 200 roles. But um, Christopher Sabat's voice, I mean, he's a legend in voiceover. Not that, like, the guy who does uh, Deku does a bad job either. He does a good job for what his character is supposed to be doing at this time, I feel. Um, but, yeah, shout out to Christopher Sabat. Again, like, the, the maturity and mentorship with All Might is just... I, I love All Might. He's an awesome character. Yeah. Um, I don't see... Yeah, I don't see anything. Yes, anything bad. I feel like I should be contributing more, but I honestly <laughs> oh, do. Yeah, there, I, there was I, the one thing I did notice is that um, is that you, we keep seeing the flashback to Deku's um, mom crying, but we never see her. His mom is the mom dead? Did the mom die? No, Deku. Honestly, as far as shonen protagonists go, Deku's actually got it pretty decent. Uh, we don't know much about his dad. Um, no, just Wikipedia that right now. Who is Deku's dad? Uh, because that was the one thing, because I'm like, oh, well, do all these protagonists have these, like, really sad backstories? Um, are we all going to be really disappointed by what we find out? But no, it really seems... Uh... De- Deku's mom and dad are both alive. It's just um, his father's name is Hisashi Midoriya. Uh, he took a work post abroad. His current stats and activities are unknown, according to the My Hero Academia wiki. All right. Uh, maybe we'll see him eventually. But you know what? All Might is his real dad. Let's face it. All Might is Deku's real dad. Yeah. I mean, that was the one thing is that, you know, you end up feeling like there's going to be some sort of connection between these two characters that is very much, you know, uh, almost father-son-like or especially just mentor-mentee-like. And I'm always kind of – I am a sucker for those kinds of, like, mm-hmm. stories. So yeah, uh, final thoughts on this episode. I mean, again, this was the second one, so it's not supposed to be the debut. Yeah, but this kind of felt like a debut. Like I felt like I wasn't. There's was no point where I was really lost in it. I was sort of like kind of got the feel of the world. Obviously, there were some mentions of stuff that happened in the previous episode, but for uh, from you assigning me a second episode um, to start with, like the set. Um, I didn't have any issues with it. I mean, in theory, you could have compi- probably combined episode one and two, and it wouldn't have changed much. Yeah, I mean, again, like, the things we're mostly talking about are just specifics, like how many people have quirks and stuff. That's really the big one. And just some minor character details. Because uh, this episode, again, like, I, I watched one through three before picking these, um, just to see. And, yeah, this one really has the heart of what the series is about, which is um, Deku's relationship with All Might. And I think that's, yeah core of the entire series yeah because this is like if we're going to compare it to like something i've seen more which is like it's sort of iron man and you know spider-man yeah, that relationship you, in the exactly. marvel films yeah and um god what else somebody just slipped my mind and then my cat went by me you can always that edit this, this part <laughs> i know i know um trying to think because it was it was something profound 
right. I lost it. I lost it. Okay. Um, moving on. Let's move to our second episode, which is not the second episode of the series, but rather season two, episode 10. Um, Shoto Todoroki origin. So again, we've, we've gone about 20 episodes later 20 episodes have passed since this one we've watched uh, yeah so i did notice that i mean obviously we're getting into what i be- why i believe it's called my hero academia because they're actually uh, in some sort of school yeah like, that was the thing i noticed i'm like oh they're clearly in hero school but this, this is also only a battle arena fight this is just a fight episode so th- this is this is part of uh everyone's favorite type of shonen arc the tournament arc uh if we're gonna talk tropes there there's no trope that shonen fans uh don't love more than tournaments yeah and that's and this is why i i was uh avoiding anime this is why i don't usually watch anime it's that i'm in constant fear of the tournament arc really because tournament arcs are like i'm like sweet it's a tournament arc that's the that's for me for anyone i talk to they're like oh sweet um which is ironic for me because i'm a big sports guy i really love sports while we're recording this um there's the nhl playoffs and i've been watching the nhl playoffs and in that and that in theory is just a tournament arc in real life. <laughs> they are, they so, are both tournaments. Uh, one uh, is fictional and has a uh, predestined uh, outcome, and the other one is something you watch live and you don't know the outcome. You know, yeah. So, like, and I think that's the issue is that I always worry with these is that it feels so obvious as who's going to end up winning. That, so ultimately. that's a, that's a good point you raise, and we'll get into it a, in a couple more minutes um, because the winner of this fight, I don't think, is who you might necessarily have expected. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I expected at least. I didn't expect it either. I will say that. I was, and I, this is what surprised me. This is why I was like, "Oh, like this is." Um, I like that. I liked the twist, but like um, at this point now, it feels like that. Deku, uh, Deku, uh, Deku, yeah, Deku. Um, he has found his quirk. Oh, that was what I forgot to mention. Yeah. Um... So I realized that when I was rewatching this episode like an hour ago, um, I, even though this uh, episode two had such a core, so many core elements, it was missing one key element in the third episode, which is um, the fact that All Might passes his quirk to Deku. Yeah, but it kind of felt like that was where it was headed when I watched the first episode. I'm like, oh, I think there's going to be like some sort of passing because like there's like a steam that comes up yeah. All Might when he. Um, uh, yeah, when he kind of becomes the weak, uh, feeble guy, and then later on in the in the other episode we watched, uh, there's a clear scene where they show that you know the power. Oh yeah, and he, even in the beginning of this episode, um, Todoroki. So Todoroki, you can call him Shoto. I call him Todoroki. Um, I forget what what his hero name is. Um, him and uh, Deku have this little uh, pre-tournament confrontation because Todoroki, his father Endeavor, is the number two hero, and um, Deku, of course, is the heir to the number one hero, effectively. Yeah, I, and like Todoroki is uh, obviously a very damaged uh, person. Like his uh, father's uh, really, in some ways, should be a villain. Um, yeah, he's a really abusive man. Like in and a De- flash, in flashback scenes, we like, you know, we kind of see him like literally beating his five-year-old child yeah um we'll get into that in a bit more because let's just uh go into the lead-up of this but yeah uh endeavor 
I don't want to spoil Happens to Endeavor, but I will say he, he, he is not Dio. There are no Dios in this series. Um, there's definitely some full-on villains, but certainly um, no one who is that bad. Everyone's kind of within, with the exception of maybe one character, everyone's kind of within that uh, possibility of being redeemed. Yeah, like, and it's, you know, it's pretty clear that, like, you know, that this guy's not an inherently bad guy. Like, in the flashbacks, it's pretty clear that, like, he's not, he doesn't want to be bad. Yeah. But he's worried he's going to be bad because of the treatment his, you know, father gave to not only him, but his mother. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Todoroki is, him and and Bakugo are funny because they could both honestly be the same character in some ways. They both, I mean, Todoroki is more emo, I'd say. Um, Bak- Bakugo is full of rage. Uh, Todoroki is more down on himself. But, you know, he's still that kind of, you know, silent type. That yeah. He's... If I was to compare those two to, like, uh, 2000s punk bands, I would say <laughs> Todoroki is, um, you know, my chemical romance. For sure. And uh, who's the other guy? I, I call him blonde guy. Uh, Bakugo, um, he is more of a... I would say sort of uh, good Charlotte mm-hmm. type, maybe good, maybe simple plan, mm-hmm. like something where there's like, okay, he's not like, not as down as he could be, but you know, he they, he has his moments <laughs> for sure. And um, yeah, uh, Bakugo, uh, Deku, and Todoroki—they are kind of the trio of this series, effectively. Uh, they're certainly the most powerful heroes of uh, their class, UA High. Uh, and you definitely see the the level of importance put on them in these three episodes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I also don't know what that means. So can you explain that? Oh, uh, which part? UA High or? Yeah, UA High. Oh, yeah. So UA High is the the high school that they go to. Of course, that that gets introduced a couple episodes later in season one. But yeah, it's it's the equivalent of Hogwarts. Um, UA does not stand for anything. I, I Wikipedia this. It does not. People think to. People think it means Ultra Academy, but nope, it's just nice letters. Um, but it is the top hero academy in Japan, basically. So are there other hero academies? Like, is there, I assume there has to be. There has to be, but even within the series, it's more focused on the various classes within UA. Um, the class that this uh, series focuses on is Class A, who are first years. Yeah, because one of the things I was thinking about in the next episode... And I guess even in the previous episode, it's that like, uh, where do villains come from? Uh, do they come from my villain academia? Is there like uh, a villain It's more school? the underclass. And and again, there's an arc that actually covers this, but there is, I want to, I'm not sure if it's satire, but there's definitely some, some form of commentary about how the heroes in this world are a bit full of themselves. They're not nearly as bad as the one punch man heroes, which I feel are all kind of generally awful people. <laughs> um, uh but you know there's definitely a certain you know not every hero is in it for the right reasons yeah i definitely can see that i mean because there is like a certain level of privilege like the idea of like my my father's the number two hero and thus i will become the best hero um is you know definitely a very much uh almost you can say commentary of like uh you know Classic rich kids under. right like where it's like a rich because i you know rich kids were you know, they go like, yeah, my dad runs Microsoft. And so that means I'm going to be a billionaire when I'm older. Yeah, actually, and actually that's where Bakugo I kind of like. Bakugo doesn't really, uh, someone's going to correct me on this, but Bakugo doesn't really have any, um, his parentage isn't like super big. He just coincidentally through his genetics or whatever, just is really fucking strong. 
yeah. he, is, he is a self-made hero. I mean, Todoroki is the emo one who's, you know, the, the son of the number two hero. But Bakugo, who's, who's arguably even more powerful than him, or Deku at certain points of the series, is pretty much a self-made hero. He's just, you know, he's just an angry-ass kid. Yeah, do they go into more of his backstory? I assume. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more the relationship with him and uh, Deku. Yeah, because they seem like they should be on some level like uh, best friends at a certain point. Because they're like a... they're definitely they're definitely more rivals than full on him telling uh, Deku to kill himself. Um, certainly in the parts where I'm at, uh, without spoiling too much, they're they're definitely on more even ground in terms of respect. Okay, that makes sense. It's just because like. They seem seem to have grown up together, and you go like, you know, there's those like frenemy friendships where yeah. it's just like, oh, I hate you, I hate you, but it's like, but we have a ton in common. <laughs> like yes. we should we should be friends. And the thing is, Deku Deku loves uh, Bakugo. He even has a nickname for him. He calls him Kachan. Like he he loves the guy, and you know, again, he saves him in that second episode. Um, again, it's it's so so awful that you know Bakugo is just a dickhead, but uh, such such as the dynamics and. You know, he's, but, a, he's I, a, but I get it. That's you know, you have to have a story, and this is and it seems to be one of the tropes that this is for sure. You know, what happens? Um, but anyways, let's get into the fight. Let's really get into that awesome fight with um, Todoroki and uh, Deku. So Deku, as as you can tell, he he hasn't mastered his power quite yet at this point in the series. Yeah, it's uh, he seems to have something to do with his fingers and his hands. Um, because he keeps. Oh, this is the thing that made me squeamish during this fight. Oh yeah, I forgot with the whole thing. Well, yeah, it's that, so, it's that uh, yeah, he keeps like essentially breaking his fingers. So, so, so in true superhero progression, again, this is the thing about shonen anime. They they tend to go on for quite a while, so you do get the sense of progression even more so than a superhero movie. You know, a superhero movie, you get you know the first act of the character learning their powers. Uh, with My Hero Academia, it takes seasons for. Um, Deku to get away with just beating people up without breaking his bones because the power that All Might uh, bestows upon him, which is the quirk all, um, all for one, again, it's, he's not used to that power. So he's actually breaking his bones whenever he tries to use it initially. Yeah, and I actually appreciate that. That is something that I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat that they're doing that just because, um, yeah, you don't see that often. You don't see like... You know, you, you get Spider-Man learning to swing webs in, like, a quick scene, and then, you know, he falls down, and then that's kind of it. Yeah, it's like, oh, I got a bruise. But, like, in theory, it's like, there's got to be, like, times when Spider-Man was, like, initially doing, like, going, swinging through buildings, and, like, he, you know, he puts his web on, like, an open, like, window, and then yeah. someone, like, closes it, and then the web snaps, and then he, like, goes and swings into another building. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't get that... Um, in a movie because you just don't have enough time. Yeah, you only but have you, two hours. But you kind of wish they would do that for like some of the TV shows. Like I want to see, you know, Miles Morales or Peter Parker just like, yeah, <laughs> break an arm or something. I, I guess so. Even even in something like Batman, they because of Batman's origin story being so dark, we never really get to see his origin told in uh, the cartoons. So we don't really yeah. get that uh, lead up. I know they've done younger Batman in shows like The Batman, but again, it's not that really that sense of progression. Not to this extent, because again, it's it's My Hero Academia, so they have to learn. And that's also part of the show, right? Which is, this is set in a school, so it makes sense that you're seeing all this. Whereas those things like Batman, like Batman doesn't go to Batman school. Oh, uh, I mean, they tried doing that in Gotham, but um, 
you know, I appreciate Gotham for what it did. Um, certainly the campiness. It was always fun to watch clips of it, but it definitely, uh, yeah, it, uh, it didn't do what the show did, <laughs> to say the what, least. You did, what, you didn't like Fish Mooney? Uh, uh, you know, I like what they did with the Penguin. I, I watched some late season uh, Gotham clips. I, I started to appreciate the camp, just not enough to watch a hundred episodes of it. No, there. That's a that's a show that's like more almost built for you too, where it's like, oh, there's that fun scene. There's a fun scene. Um, but let's get into the fight because this is a really well animated fight, and my god, the music is just so goddamn good. Yeah, it's, this is like really well done for you know, yeah, for an animated fight. Like it's you've got these ice powers. Um, the other guy whose name again escapes me right now. Uh, Todoroki or yeah, Todoroki. Like he refuses to use his uh, firepower. He's yeah. like, I will not do it, especially because his dad's watching, and his dad, mm-hmm. who his power is fire, is you know infuriated that it's like his son, his great you know his great uh, contribution to the world is like you know, making sure that he's not uh, using those powers. Yeah, and I, I let, yeah, now we can really get into the meat of this because this episode is called Shoto Todoroki Origin. And that's kind of why I picked this, not just because it's an awesome episode, but it's a good showcase episode of how this show shows different sides of characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, like, uh, uh, Endeavor, Endeavor, the number two hero, was not a great father. <laughs> Um, he he married a woman with ice powers just because he wanted a son who could have fire and ice powers. It was it was I don't know what you call that. Um, that's a love that's a loveless marriage. It's a loveless a marriage, and um, yeah, he he abuses Todoroki, who's the only one of his children. He, they do have other children. Uh, they you meet them later on in the series, um, who aren't nearly as powerful as Todoroki. But again, Todoroki with his quirks of both fire and ice he endeavor takes it upon himself to force this five-year-old to go undergo uh grueling training which is just like that's so crazy to think like it's like a five-year-old like has to train now that is like the one kind of other part of these tropes where it's like i trained for as from when as young as i was to like become the hero now uh because uh that just always seems so stupid it's like a five-year-old you know won't remember what you were training you know that is true that is that is true and um the training not just devastates um Todoroki but it devastates his mom and she ends up having a mental breakdown and ends up uh scarring him with boiling water yeah that was really fucked up like it's not just a birthmark that's actually like a burn mark it's not a birthmark it's a burn mark yeah that's a burn mark I was like holy shit like well because I knew it was like that it was not like a necessarily um you know obviously makeup like as part of a costume like or a birthmark because you don't see it as a kid and that's obvious mm. you know obviously you don't see it as a kid because he's not burned and i did appreciate that even at five years old um Todoroki goes and you know he tells his dad like you did this this is your fault like she wouldn't have burned me if it wasn't for you that he at least was he didn't blame her at that point mm. like he wasn't that scarred that he was still aware enough yeah. Maybe that shows his powers and maybe that show, but it also shows the kind of person that he is, is that, mm-hmm. you know, he's not really destined to be a villain because a villain would have, you know, would have immediately. Yeah. Th- this, this isn't a villain backstory, not in the least. Todoroki is a very sympathetic character, even though he's fighting Deku, this is within the context of a tournament. Um, yeah. And even then it was the, what I liked about this tournament episode in particular was that um, it became so obvious that like Deku keeps, 
uh, coaxing uh, Todoroki to like actually use the full powers, like mm-hmm. his full powers, and like because all the time it's just like he's just being thrown with ice, and like uh, Todoroki's you know body's like is getting colder and colder, and normally he would use his heat powers to like you know kind of balance it out, but because he's refusing to, it's actually weakening him and possibly hurting him. And Doku just keeps being like, you can't be the number one hero without using your all your powers, and. Obviously, Todoroki is just like, no, I will only use half my powers. I'll do it to spite my dad, which is, again, also very teenager. That's such a teenager thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's just that back and forth. Um, yeah, and it, it makes for such an interesting fight because, again, it's not just these two people just trying to win. I mean, you know, uh, Deku doesn't even really care about winning. He's actually injuring himself to the point where, you know, he's, he's not going to be able to fight even if he uh, survives this encounter. Yeah, like, Deku's kind of already knows. He's like, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to make it. Like, I can't advance past this point. But at least, like, he cares so much about heroes because he is that, you know, deep down, he is that hero fanboy from the uh, first episode I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, he's like, no, I want you to be that. And, like, we finally get – I felt like we got a great line. And, again, this kind of underlines why I feel like this is the most emotional uh, anime we've watched so far, which is um, – Duko, uh, Deku goes, uh, these, uh, I guess I'm paraphrasing, but it's like these mm-hmm. powers, it's your powers, it's not his. That's so true, like, yeah. That That's... Just because your dad passed on these powers to you doesn't mean, you know, you have to be like your dad or do what like your dad does. Like, you have your own quirk, so yeah. do what you want with your quirk. And yeah, I think we're almost done discussing this one, but uh, let's get into just that little... The one regret I have about picking these episodes was I wish I could pick one that showcased the ensemble more. Um, because the, cl- the, uh, the class of UA, class A, there are 20, 20 uh, people in it. And not all of these 20 characters get super developed. Um, there's some really funny ones that aren't even seen in this visually. Um, but again, this is an ensemble thing and they do want this to be a story of, you know, you can see it in the intro. In fact, <laughs> on my Zoom background right now, you can see a bunch of these characters. Yeah. <laughs> well, are they going to, as the viewer, are the listeners? Yeah, no, they're all part of the class. And I mean, I was actually tempted to, uh, the My Hero Academia movie is on Netflix. And I was tempted to actually make that one representative uh, for this episode because it does do a really good job at showcasing not all the cast, but definitely a good dozen of, of the class members. Yeah, well, that's, again, that's, I think the... Um the advantage of being a TV, you know, this an anime show. Yeah. You say you obviously can do more with the characters. You can do a um, lot with them. And, and I did notice it because they kept flashing to these different characters that were clearly like, oh, these must be established people that are watching. Yeah, you get like, the red, you get the red-haired one, Kirishima, who whose power is hardening, and I like how he complains that uh, Bakugo and Todoroki have long-range powers. Oh, because he has a short range power. Yeah, his or? power is just hardening. Like he's just like he's he's got like skin of steel kind of. Oh, so he's he's, he's like, a close range hero, and he actually does get quite an awesome fight in uh, season four. As part of the tournament? No, not no in season four, which is where they fight the uh, fight the yakuza. Um, oh, <laughs> but that's not even in the episodes we cover. But no, like that's the thing. The show does again, like you know, the first season is thirteen episodes. Subsequent seasons are twenty six. And so you do get these arcs where even seemingly minor characters have a lot to do. Okay, yeah. I, I do like hearing that. Because, again, that's, you don't even get that in, like, Harry Potter. Like, there's so many characters no. that are just sort of, like, around and, like, outside of, like, you know, 
Draco Malfoy, like you know, a well, lot I, of the I other never, I never watched all the movies, so I don't even know what Draco's arc is. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really remember. I just know he was sort of like the bully brat character. Yeah, um, but that's the thing. This is an ensemble series, and that's what I really like. So you do, even though these three episodes don't really get into that, you do get that conversation of just, you know, the, the heroes talking with Bakugo about stuff, which I like. That's good. Um, but anyways, the verdict of the fight, um, and I guess, yeah, you didn't expect this, I didn't expect this, but yeah, Deku, who is the lead character, and this isn't even the finals, this is like the quarterfinals, basically, if even that, um, Deku loses. Yeah, that was, well, I kind of knew it was coming, right? I mean, like, they definitely foreshadowed it. <laughs> they foreshadowed it, uh, especially as he's scared, you know, once yeah. the fire comes out, you're like, okay, Deku can't win. Uh, but, but yeah, there is... thinking about in the first minute or you know when you're like oh this is a tournament fight of course the hero is gonna win yeah and i guess that's what you know i was just expecting where you you know walking in you go oh there's an arena fight and this is all gonna lead to like uh deku winning but he's gonna win by like you know the skin of his teeth or whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah so for him to to like basically give um give the victory over to his opponent uh in a lot of ways shows his hero as uh it shows a lot about his uh, heroicness, uh, his heroism. Yeah. Uh, just because that's what a real hero is, is that he wants even his peers to be good. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not, like, he's really not interested in being number one. Like, For he's sure. more interested in, like, hey, this is a team. We can't really all do this together. Um, we've got to all work together. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's that's a good deep dive into this uh, episode, uh, Shoto Todoroki Origin. Um, and we don't want this to be JoJo length either. So that's the thing. Um, so let's get into our final one. Uh, all for one. Our, no, our final episode, one for all. All for one, one for all. It's so, so confusing. Uh, this is a season three episode. It's episode 11. We went from episode 10 of season two to episode 11 of season three, so... Yet again, we're jumping about 20, 20 or so episodes. Yeah, so we're clearly in like the aftermath of some sort of massive fight, uh, mm. just to right off the bat. That's one thing I know. So it's like we dropped in. It's like, you know, we're no longer at the school setting. We're in the city. There's been this fight. Um, I think that's like the uh, footprint of Mount Lady. Yeah. She's, you know, she's clearly was there. Um and it's like Almighty versus um, all not- for one. All f- it's, I get so confused when I mention their powers. So one for all. Or no- oh no! Wait, wait! I wait. Is there a new character that I forgot? <laughs> no, it's not. It's um. That's literally the name of the villain we're talking about. I'm. Just- <laughs> oh, all for one's the name of the villain. Okay, I kept what? calling him Boo. one. One for all is the name of the villain, and I know mm-hmm. I love this show, but any any time I talk about it with my friends, I get it confused because it's is it one for all or all for one? All for one is because it's it's because he's uh, uh, that much one, of one of one for oh, god damn it! I don't know why I get tongue twisted. It's not a good name, that's why. No, because they're trying to do it for um, the quirks. They're trying to do the contrast, and he literally is known just by his quirk. Oh, no. One for all is the good quirk. All for one is the bad quirk, which is also the name of the villain. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I know. All for one is... All for just one person. 
Yeah, okay, and then that... one for one for all is one for everyone. I know I have to like write that on like my forehead. <laughs> yeah, all for one. All I'm not even. I'm not even going to cut this from the edit because I think a lot of people are going to feel similarly. Even the biggest hero Aka fans probably get this confused. Yeah, <laughs> even I was. I was like, there's all for one, and then there's one for all. So all yeah. for one. So so one for all. Let's get into just the mechanics of this quirk because yeah, it's a quirk that's passed down. Um, Midoriya is the ninth user of it. And yeah, we get this episode starts with a flashback for uh, All Might's mentor. Yeah, which is a guy named Gran Torino. No, well, he's not. He's uh, he's not the one who passed down the quirk, though. His mentor was. Oh, I thought he was a mentor. I guess he's sort of like he was. He's not the one who passes quirk down. He has a couple mentors. Like, but like, can we just talk oh. about how we've gone from a, an anime where there was a character named Robert Eo Speedwagon to now a character named Gran Torino, as in. Hey, I watched a Clint Eastwood film, and I, I'm ready to get into my Grand Torino. I, I I don't think um, Kohei was thinking about that movie. I think he just liked the name. Yeah, he just liked the name of the car. Uh, I I don't hate it though. I'll be honest. Like it was a name that once I saw it, I was like, yeah, that's not a bad name. Uh, I felt like uh, it's just it's it's almost obviously a, a character name. So I didn't really distract me. I just liked the the sounds of it. Yeah. So it made me chuckle when I saw it. So All Might's mentor is a lady named Nana Shimura. And that Shimura name is going to uh, play, play a role later on at the end of this episode. But she was the seventh inheritor of the Quirk One, one for all. Yeah. Um, and that's, I guess I noticed that was there. Yeah, obviously, it passes down. And even then, like... Um, all Might, he, um, his character, yeah, when he's young, has very similar ambitions to Daiku. Yeah. Uh, I noticed. Except he wants it, like, his theory is, is that, you know, the world needs a hero to, like, rely on so that there'll be more peace and not as much crime. Whereas I almost feel like Daiku, you know, wants the heroes to now band together and be more of a unit um and that's how the crime's going to be stopped is if we, they all work together in more that, harmony than like one person kind of rising to the top at least that's how i've gathered that, it. that's actually it's something i didn't even pick up on but you you're definitely correct um because all might is a great hero but if anything he you know we kind of see this at the end of the episode but he's left a power vacuum because again he's taken he's taken so much of that burden on being that one hero for the world yeah, and it's literally zapped him dry of his powers. Yeah, by I, think, the end. I think that's a very, very uh, clear metaphor that Kohei was definitely going for. Um, but anyways, now we get into a knockdown, dragdown fight between this Darth, Ader, Darth Vader-ass motherfucker. Named I, all I, for kept, one. I kept calling him Skinny Bane, because he has that, like, <laughs> the mask, very Bane-like, like Dark Knight Returns Bane. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got that, too. He's like, okay, it's as if, like, Bane is like, you know what? I'm not powerlifting this and, year. And you know what? Given that Dark Knight Rises came out in 2012 and the manga itself debuted in 2014, um, I don't know the exact date uh, the All for One design uh, was conceived, but that, that's definitely a significant lead-up time. Yeah, there's definitely, like, oh, yeah, I see this. He, he probably could have watched that movie. And, yeah, Kohei's been up front. He loves, he loves the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Those are his favorite, he said. Um, he talks about when he when he uh, draws the series, he's got like American comic books next to him that he uses for inspiration. I mean, you know, it's it's a superhero manga. It's all, it obviously knows what its influences are. 
Yeah, and I think there's definitely, you know, there's an element with a lot of fiction, and it's almost a Tarantino effect, which is like, uh, almost like steal what you love mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, you know, put it in your own new story. And so you yeah. kind of get that. Like, it just wasn't distracting. It was just that when I was tongue twisted with all for one or one for all, um, I was yeah, like, I mean, it's a tongue- easier in my notes yeah. to be well, like, I, skinny I veins. I think I figured it. I think I finally figured out what they're called, though, as a just because of this talk. But anyways, yeah, so they're in a knockdown, drag down fight. And I don't want to give too much context because. I was almost hesitant to put this episode down because this is certainly, as you could tell, one of the most climactic episodes of the series. Yeah, it almost feels like a bit of like a finale. Like if you if you told me this was like the season finale of this season, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and and just due to the structure of the manga and the way they're doing these adaptations, um, it's only like the halfway point of season three, which leads to which leads to the second half of season three kind of feeling a bit empty almost because the stakes are low. But again, it, it's, it's by virtue of turning an anime or turning a manga into an anime, you know, you don't always get those breaks that you necessarily would have, to, would want to be the break for the season. You know, sometimes you just have to adapt the damn thing. Yeah, I get that. There's, there's definitely, I see that uh, there's the walking dead effect Yeah, where they, I, where they, where they did the opposite, which was, they were like, this is clearly the finale. And then they filled in, 10 episodes i mean this is a heck of a lot more faithful than walking dead this is panel by panel (laughs) there's no uh there's no uh walk there's no uh walking dead level liberties that are taken this series is there's nothing to that extent but anyways yeah so this is a knockdown drag down fight with uh all might and all for one and yeah all all might is definitely at his lowest point He, he his quirk is fading by the seconds you can just tell just based on how he is and also the exposition yeah, there you know, definitely. There's this whole thing of like, you know, I'm you know at my last kind of legs. Like I just, you know, and then like especially in the last fight where there's like, you know, they kind of battle and then he comes up and he's lost all of his powers in front of everyone. Everyone mm-hmm. now knows that he's this skinny man, uh, he, but then he manages to get his right arm to be powered up. Yeah, that's all he has, his right arm. And um, all for one, his powers, as you could probably tell by the name, he steals powers. So all for him, basically. Yeah, so he like so when he when the arm comes up, you know, all for one, it, you know, kind of mocks him, and then all of a sudden he does an arm, but mm. it's all yeah, it's all these other powers. There's literally like another arm on him. <laughs> yeah, and he he resembles. Um, I mean, you haven't seen Akira yet, but he definitely resembles uh, the final form of uh, Tetsuo's transformation in Akira. And Akira is is an anime and manga that um, Kohei really loves. Like like any good artist probably has watched. Um, his, his influences again are like so obvious, but they don't feel. Again, it's the Tarantino thing. It doesn't feel obtrusive, and it doesn't feel like a ripoff. Yeah, it seems. I don't think it's. Service, it seems to be at the service of the story. Yeah, and it also. Um, yeah, I don't. I didn't. It wasn't distracting for me, and I also have no reference to Kira. Yeah, so. true enough. Which we'll so. do maybe in a, a later episode. But yeah, so they're having this knockdown, dragdown fight, and uh, we get a lot more of the older heroes in this episode, for sure. We get Endeavor, who's kind of uh, talking about just how he felt being the number two hero and uh, giving All Might a bit of a pep talk. Yeah, I mean, that was the one thing where it's like, now there's oh, there's almost that redemption arc for the dad, right? The bully mm-hmm. dad. 
uh, where he's like, you know, you were always the best and it like became so obvious. Like we, you know, as I got better, the gap almost uh, like, I think he says like, yeah, as I became better, the gap widened between us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And it's funny because um, Kohei did say he based All Might off of Goku from Dragon Ball Z. And Endeavor is clearly a Vegeta-like character. Vegeta, who was uh, an, an evil badass who eventually redeemed himself. Um, Endeavor uh, hasn't... Hmm? I was going to say again, don't know this reference at God all. Goddamn, man. You don't even know anything about Dragon Ball. This is, this is, this is how lost you are. But I'm, <laughs> yeah. sure, I'm sure listeners know more than Malcolm about who Goku and Vegeta are. They're iconic characters. I mean, um, I'm the guy who's, you know, we're doing this because I don't know anything about it. I know, but even then, I'm sometimes astounded about how few references you get. Uh, but again, dear listener, if you pick up on that, I'm, I'm sure you picked up on my Goku and Vegeta comparison. Um, but yeah, so again, he gives this uh, speech. And again, that speech is actually similar to a speech from Dragon Ball Z at the very end. Um, but yeah, Endeavor is now, Endeavor knows he's going to take that number one slot now, but he, he has this respect for All Might. And it, Seems like he's almost not ready to take that number one at this point. Yeah, I mean, because there's like a burden to, you know, being number yeah. one that, you know, he's maybe not aware of. Uh, and part of it's because he's so selfish in the sense of like, you know, pushing his son to be this thing that mm. like his son wasn't really wanting to be or ready to be. Obviously, as a five year old, he's like, I don't want to hurt people. You know, I want to be a hero. I want to do good. And it's like, can that, that guy can't be the number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the but same it, same it, time, Duko is now our, uh Daiku is older. Um, you know, they're you know he's probably now what a senior in high in the. No, school. this this series even as of even as of ch- uh, chapter two hundred and eighty, they're still within their first year. What? Yeah. Oh, it's slow, It's a slow burn. Time time is compressed. Holy um, crap! I, think I do actually, appreciate that because so many men. Uh, I feel like so many of these stories go really quickly. I mean, like. I mean, it's a cartoon, so it's not like the char- you have to worry about the the characters aging on TV. <laughs> no, but I always thought Game of Thrones. I know, but I almost thought because of story uh, reasons that you'd think they would like want to jump. They're they're entering yeah. as of chapter two eighty. I mean, assuming correct me if I'm wrong, dear listener. The ser- assuming this uh, the series the series didn't start in the fall, but certainly when the uh, high school starts for them, when that part finally kicks in, that starts in the fall. They're in about spring right now in the manga, 280 chapters in. Okay. Um, they're, they're talking right now about like, oh boy, our first year is finally about to be over. Um, and then there's a massive battle right now. Anyways, we're not talking about stuff in season six. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's awesome, I will say that. Fuck, oh my God, this manga is so goddamn good. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they're having this fight, and yeah, th- this is All Might's last stand. And we also get Gran Torino. He has a flashback talking with All Might's uh, mentor. Yeah, like, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's where I almost thought, uh, why I thought All Might was mentored by Gran Torino and not... Yeah, he was the... definitely a teacher. I'm sure he was taught by Gran Torino they... at the Hero Academy. Yeah, it seems like, obviously, because, like, even in the other episode, the ba- the tournament episode we watched... Uh, there were other teachers commenting, so mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, and then maybe it was sexist to me to just assume I'm like, who's this character? But I think part of it was just me going, who is this character? For sure, a woman. But like, I also you're knew also she twenty was... episodes. You're also jumping twenty episodes. <laughs> yeah, but I also knew she was important because there is this moment with like the passing of the powers where she comes on to screen, and it seems like uh, I wasn't sure if that was her passing the powers on to All Might 
or if that's a visual representation of All Might passing on his powers to Daiku. Mm-hmm. No, it, I guess it's both because yeah, she did pass her powers to All Might, and All Might passes powers to Deku. Yeah, because at the end of it, because he obviously All Might uh, defeats All for One. Yeah. So let's and... let's get into that real big moment because this is the moment the the final the final moment of this fight uh, when it was airing was known as the moment that saved anime because really? of how awesome it was. Oh, that's interesting. Why did it save anime? Why is it called It's just that? such an uh, it's just so awesomely animated and obviously you know, it's the culmination of effectively the first act of the series. This is basically the end of the first act of the story. I don't know how long the story will go on, but you know, you already said this felt very climactic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um it's a big like, you know, kind of almost one punch. Like it's just like this um, it is. He takes his one, like, all of his power in his hand, and then, like, in the, he explains it as that, like, as he made the punch, he actually, like, transferred the powers to another part of his body, mm-hmm. which surprised uh, all for a while. Yeah. And managed to defeat him, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I'll, e- I'll even play the clip for you, dear listener, because it is so awesome, and just uh, what Christopher Sabat does in the voiceover is just fantastic. I refuse to die! You won't be able to stop him head on. Use your wits. Still weak, though! That's because I didn't put my back into it that time! Goodbye. Oh, for one. United States That was a great clip. That was a, that was a great clip, and yeah, like it's emotional as hell. He says goodbye, uh, all for. <laughs> God damn it, we're so close. Um, it's emotional as hell. He says goodbye, um, all for. Oh, fuck me, Malcolm. What is it? All for one is the villain, and one for all. One for all. Power. All right, reset. <laughs> so it's a very emotional moment. He says goodbye for what is it, Malcolm? One for all. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and yeah, you can, you, the viewer of watching this scene, you can just feel that emotionality, just the way Christopher Sabat delivers that performance. Um, he kills it. Yeah. And like the other thing was, I was like, Oh, um, is he dead? And then it was like the psych out. Oh no, he's not dead. He's just lost his powers and he's basically retiring. Yeah. And I love how, even after he defeats them, you know, we, we know he's lost his powers, but he does one big flex just because the cameras are rolling and, you know, he's, I love what Gran Torino says, you know, his job isn't over yet. He's got one more job to do. Yeah, that he has just, that he musters just enough just to make sure that people, like, don't lose their hope for him. And then, like, yeah. this is, you know, because it is part of it is a show. And that's, like, his, you know, the reason he became All Might was because he wanted hero people to be united around a single hero. And that yeah. single hero is obviously him. And again, I just love that take. Again, it's not just about him beating up the bad guy. It's like, you know, it's a performance to an extent. And he has he has to deliver that for the audience. Yeah, which is, you don't see that a lot. Like, I mean, outside of like, uh, in American uh, media, like Iron Man, where obviously Iron Man in the first film, he goes like, oh, I am Iron Man. He mm-hmm. doesn't like, you know, try to, after that, he doesn't try to like, 
you know, deal with his celebrity over that fact. They they kind of do that in like Iron Man too. But again, I mean, as as the Marvel movies built up such a, the ensembles of the Marvel movies became dominated by other Marvel heroes. Yeah, that it, you know your, your entire supporting cast is like ninety nine percent superheroes. That's true. So, um, um, which we love the MCU. We're big MCU fans. We've seen all the movies in theaters. Uh, Avengers yeah. Endgame is the greatest piece of cinema, at least in blockbusters of, a lot of the twenty tens. Not even exaggerating. That movie's fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, like again, like as as the MCU has gone on, it's definitely lost a bit of that human element. I feel. Yeah, we're we sort of see it with the Spider Man, who and ironically enough, again parallels Daiku yeah. here. <laughs> Um, or maybe not ironically enough, maybe it's a very intentional parallel, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, so like at the very end, like Daiku's watching this clip and he sees the finger being pointed and everyone's like cheering. He's like, yeah, this is like, you know, this is a big moment for the country, for the world. But obviously Daiku, he starts crying because mm-hmm. he realizes that this is the last time everyone's going to see him. And now he has to take on the one for all powers and he, he says that to the cameras he says it's your turn and Deku narrates and he says you know the the audience felt that you know he was talking about the villains it's their turn next to be defeated but Deku knows that he's talking about that next generation it's your turn to take over our story is done and that's where the episode ends and that's yeah. where I was like oh that's a great season finale so to find out that there's a whole other half at the same time i'm like yeah it makes sense that's you know after you know every season finale you're like i want to see the next episode that's always the the hope and so there's just a definitely an element of like oh i'd be i'm curious as to what happens next yeah and i i've been very good like it's funny like so this episode these these two episodes shoto todoroki origins and uh all for one one for all whatever the episode is called the confusing name um these episodes are the number two and number one ranked episodes on IMDb for this series, respectively. I can see... <clears throat> sorry. I'm going to redo that. Uh, I can see that. It makes a lot of sense. Um, they, they're very gripping episodes. I'm almost disappointed you told me that because now I'm like, oh, wait. I mean, it's not... I wouldn't say it's all downhill from there. I'm sure, no. I'm sure the differences are between decimal points and opinions. But, oh, probably. Um, but I do feel like I don't want to pat myself on the back too much. I did feel, compared to anything else, these three episodes do have a bit of a thorough line. Didn't you feel? Yeah. Well, I found like this is the first time, and maybe the only time, <clears throat> the, where, yeah, there's this thing of, like, obviously All Might and uh, Deku, they meet. Um, there's the, you know, there's obviously this beginning of this um, mentorship. Obviously, in the second episode, you sort of see, like, you know, uh, Deku showing off his powers, the powers that All Might had uh, given him. Um, obviously, he showed like how good of a person he is, that he was more interested in letting his other hero advance, uh, his hero pal, rather. Like, his mm-hmm. other, his opponent, like, actually, you know, be good and really embrace his whole powers. And obviously, in this last one, um, it's, you know, now he's got a he's being told uh, Deku is that's your turn to rise up and take the full responsibility of these powers. Mm-hmm. It's sort and, of a reversal of the tournament episode. For sure. And um, the great thing is these episodes, they don't really, <laughs> for they're 
clearly you were able to enjoy them on a standalone extent or whatever. You didn't seem super lost, um, not compared to like JoJo or even One Punch Man, I felt. It felt yeah. like you were kind of getting it more. This one, maybe it's because now I'm starting to kind of figure out the language of anime as a genre. Uh, but this one obviously is also, it feels very like, because there's like the references are newer and this is in like, um, like obviously Jojo Bizarre Adventures, as I learned, you know, is something that dates back to the eighties. Mm. Um, and you know, one, like this had more parallels to one punch man. Um, in terms of like, there's slight comedy, but obviously this one's not a full out comedy, like one punch man. Mm. Um, but it was also like more conventional storytelling. Like again, even though it is anime and it does have its share of tropes, you know, I, you could clearly see why this would be a hot property to adapt because it is pretty, um, pretty easy. I think for even non-anime viewers to watch. Yeah, you could definitely see some of the North American elements that really um, influence this. Uh, as you said earlier, like the guy who wrote this and created this. His uh, he, he loves the Raimi Super uh, Spider-Man films, and uh, I feel like at the end of the day, this is uh, <clears throat> the most digestible. So. Mm-hmm. And again, it's superheroes. Like it, it seems like a slam dunk, and it's almost like how how the hell did it take this long? Although maybe, of course, you know, again, it debuted in 2014, so two years after Avengers, which is. It feels weird saying this as someone who's, you know, you're 28, I'm 29, respectively. But we, we compared to, say, Zoomers who were, like, grew up with, you know, um, the MCU right away, we had to go through, like, the X-Men movies done by uh, Brian Singer. Oh, God. I like those movies, but, you know, the, the less said about Brian Singer, um, especially after... Uh, Brian Singer and who is the other guy? Oh, God, Brett Ratner. Uh, um, yeah. Well, but Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi, is, Sam Raimi is cool. No one said anything bad about him. No. He's, back to, he's doing Doctor Strange too. I can't wait for that. Um, but again, like, it, it, for us, it was like a lead-up time before... Again, like, I like those early X-Men movies. Brian Singer, Be Damned. Um, the, uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies are fun. Even Spider-Man 3, I think... Uh, you know, watching Spider-Verse, you can see at least that influence. And, you know, it's like even parts from that movie are, are worthy of discussion, even if they are cheesy. Yeah, like it beca- that, you know, that movie, Spider-Man 3, kind of uh, became its own. Like, oh. it was like, it was sort of the first time, like, it was kind of, a you know, the beginning of meme culture. It was yeah. this thing where we're all like, what did they do? Like, how did they approve that? Like, why is this becoming a thing? Like, like, how could you have, like, because, like, you know, we've it became obvious once you watch it, we were like, Topher Grace and Toby Maguire are essentially the same actor. Like, yeah. And, like, I mean, to- there's, and they shouldn't. And, like, Eddie Brock obviously becomes this thing with Venom where they're like, okay, we're going to have to make sure he's nothing like Peter Parker because of Spider-Man 3. Uh, I mean, uh, we, well, we got Venom with Tom Hardy, which I, I guess it was better. Uh, I don't know. Um, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know much about Venom, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, outside yeah. of, those, like, Spider-Man 3 and then the Tom Hardy film. So, I mean, I, I'm all over the map, but, like, I do, like... I can see how that, like, you know, that kind of weird sense of humor. Yeah, and, like, Raimi's movies... people. And even Raimi, you know, was up front. He did not have a good time on Spider-Man 3. <laughs> I remember he said in a Nerdist interview when Chris Hardwick was trying to suck up to him, he's like, no, the movie is awful. <laughs> he, he, he quickly swatted uh, Chris Hardwick's attempts at being nice. 
Uh, yeah, that one like, was uh, definitely a case of the studio wants it now, but they didn't really have a story to tell. No, and you know you can clearly tell Sam Raimi. I mean, he wanted to do the movie with both Vulture and Sandman, and again, he he just didn't like Venom. He didn't find Venom interesting, and I think he's correct. Venom kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, he's just not a very like. It's like my worries for this new Mobius vampire film. Uh, uh, but what? anyways, but you know, <laughs> even, even those movies though, like. I'm not just talking about the Raimi movies. I'm talking about, you know, Fantastic Four and Ghost Rider and, you know, Hollywood. It took them quite a while to figure out what a superhero movie was. Daredevil and uh, Catwoman? Daredevil, which was produced by Kevin Feige, who did say, I read this, Kevin Feige did at the time say it was one of the best scripts he ever read. Um, I'm not sure what happened to it. Uh, there's a I don't even know. It, apparently. Yeah, I don't even know who was the director, to be honest. Someone who apparently really... Lo- I, read, I read the story. He was like a huge Daredevil fan, too, and it still ended up garbage. Uh, poor I Ben Affleck. It's the, it's the Ben Affleck effect. Yeah. Oh, well. But anyways, the point is, like, you know, we're, we've seen our share of not-so-great superhero movies and the struggles. Again, like, I can really appreciate how long it took for Marvel to get this right with the MCU. Yeah. And so now you can see that has influenced other yeah. media like My Hero Academia. Yeah, exactly. It's um, yeah, it's it's a slam dunk. It's a massive series. It's a huge success. We didn't even talk about the fact that yeah, there are two movies, uh, animated movies. One of which is on Netflix, uh, which is quite fun. It's a fun ass movie. It's they say it's canon. It's not really. Don't don't try and wrap your head around it. It's just a fun movie, um, with lots of action. And on top of that, there's like several spinoff mangas. In fact, there's one called My Hero uh, Vigilante, which is uh, centered around uh, older characters who are in like their late teens and don't go to UA high school and also star a character who's kind of like Batman in that he doesn't have superpowers. Oh, um, so far it's manga, So far it's manga only. I'm, I'm surprised they haven't animated it. Maybe they just want to wait longer, but you'd think with the success, especially given how risk-averse every company seems to be uh that'd be a slam dunk for an anime adaptation yeah well who knows maybe uh by the time this comes out uh, we may have an announcement um yeah so anyways uh final thoughts on my hero academia um i like i said going into this i think i had my doubts especially watching the tournament episode um i there is a charm to this that i did really enjoy uh, i think i I'm not sure I'll, I'd keep watching, um, especially uh, I almost feel like I'm satisfied with the three episodes I watched. But if I was to order the shows we've seen so far, I think number one still goes to One Punch Man. I think that one uh, plays to my sensibilities more. But I'd say My Hero Academia is my second favorite that we've watched uh, on this podcast. And then in a distant third, is Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. So, oh, you're, you're killing me. You're killing me. But um, I'm actually kind of surprised. I thought My Hero would be your number one. Um, I thought you'd be like straight to watching it. Um, because like, again, I'm foreshadowing this for the listeners, even the listeners who have watched up to season four, but my God, the manga has gotten so goddamn good. Um, so maybe I will. I, like I said, there's a distant gap between uh, My Hero and jojo so maybe there is a a world where i keep watching yeah and it's only gotten better i do think season four was the weakest season so far and season four is the last to be animated so far um but the material that they're going to be covering for season five and six my god it's top tier and you talked about you know are there time jumps um 
that's something all my My Hero Academia fans, the ones I talk to, they are really excited about the prospect of a time jump, which is another trope in anime and manga, which is, you know, the heroes get older and they get older and their powers all of a sudden get stronger from one episode to the next. They get new costumes, they get new everything. Oh, well, <clears throat> sorry, I'll just repeat that. Oh, well, uh, that's gotten me a little bit yeah. more interested. So, and again, this is, this is a series that, you know, it, oh, I forgot to mention this. Um, this is actually the second uh, longest running Shonen Jump series currently uh, in circulation. Uh, it's, it's one piece at 985 chapters and counting. And then, um, yeah, My Hero Academia, because another uh, series named uh, Hayuki just ended at 400. So My Hero is actually the second longest running current uh, series in Shonen Jump at the moment. That's uh, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. But the creator says uh, he he does not intend this to uh, go for one piece length, uh, which is good. Uh, one piece, which is optimistically going to end at the thirteen hundred chapter mark, if we're lucky. <laughs> um, but no, again, like this is superheroes, and I've talked to friends who are actually would be down for this to go on for forever because again, it's it's a genre that definitely. As you've seen with the MCU, it's a genre that leads itself to expansion. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of characters, and like, uh, there's definitely an interesting world around it. So, and, uh, and there's nothing stopping them from adding new ones. And uh, I can tell because there's some major characters who are introduced at the end of season four that are now huge in uh, subsequent chapters in the manga. Anyways, um, we haven't exactly done JoJo length, but I think that's definitely. Uh, been a good enough uh, deep dive into a series that we'll hopefully, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm being pretty upfront, hopefully we'll cover more in the future. Because, um, you know, dear listener, we do want to cover spoiler casts eventually. I think it's more just, you know, we all have time that we're, we're <laughs> Malcolm's got his limited amount of time. I got my limited amount of time. But eventually we do want to do spoiler casts where we cover entire seasons of these shows. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, though. So I think, uh, I mean, these are just tasters. This is me getting into this world. Yeah. Uh, I'm still, um, you know, a novice. I'm the newbie. I'm the new guy uh, at the office. So. Uh, and, all right. So now is the time to assign you, dear listener, and you, Malcolm, next week's show and the episodes you will be watching. Um, the show is uh, Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. And you're going to be watching Season 1, Episode 1, Season 1, Episode 3, and season one, episode five, um, we've been covering superheroics and people with magic powers. Now it's time to get into the world of Mecha. Oh, I don't even know what that means. I'm it means excited. robot. It means robot. You didn't know what Mecha meant? Man, dude, you're lost. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm Malcolm McLeod, and uh, this has been... Uh, this is anime, also with Jack Metcalf. <laughs> yeah, and uh, tune into us every Tuesday. You can find us at Is This Anime Pod on Twitter, and we also have an Instagram of the same name. Thank you, everyone. Mm-hmm.